The Money Show. Other people's money. Melanie Bala. Now, if you don't know Melanie Bala, she is our Other People's Money guest this evening. Uh, she is champing at the bit to join us to talk about this feature, Other People's Money, brought to you by Outsurance. Remember to SMS out to 44208 and see how much you can save on car insurance. Or we can ask for 500 Rand if you don't. Um, you became really, I think, a household name. Uh, you and the late Bob Mabena. Early 1990s, you were you were huge. You you became famous, I think, on Bob TV, as so many um, South African broadcasters did. Bob TV seems to have been a great training ground, Melanie. Hi, evening, Bruce. Absolutely, um, without a doubt, Bob TV was, I always say, one of the best educational institutions if you wanted to learn television in South Africa. Um, and I, I literally, I joined them when I was. 17 turning 18 so i grew up there um yeah believe it or not 17 18 um and i grew up there i was there for a couple of years before moving to johannesburg um and and i mean bob tv kind of just died a natural death didn't it i mean it's eventually just and the sabc sort of subsumed it and it it had no reason bob didn't exist so you couldn't really have bob tv anymore that's right yeah um you know and i left so i mean obviously you know uh pre-democracy, there was a lot of uncertainty about what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. I left in November of 93 because we had the elections coming up in 94. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's a shame, uh, you know, in terms of what happened to it. And like you said, there was so much institutional knowledge and uh, just great stories and stuff that, uh, you know, there are certain pockets of people who are trying to keep it alive and to keep the memory and the importance of it alive. But it, it was a shame what happened to it. Uh, you then moved uh, to the SABC and you've had great success at the SABC. Um, you hosted Death Chat uh, 2010. You won a SAFTA, which is the South yes. African Film and Television Awards, best talk show, uh, 2011. Um, and it, it's uh, the, the media industry has sort of been home for a long time. You've, um, you've worked at O Magazine. You're working on Metro FM in the morning, so we won't keep you late because we know you need your sleep. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it's, a, it's a wonderful industry to be in, isn't it? Is it, though? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm having a nice time. I don't know about you. I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. Are you finding it tough? No, I'm kidding. It's too late now. Too late now. You 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 went down a rabbit hole, and I'm following you. Tell me no, absolutely. I think, you know, I always been when young people come up to me and say, "Oh, I want to get into radio. I want to get into television." And and it is. It's an amazing industry, but it also can be incredibly ruthless. Um, And I think if you have been in an industry as long as we have, and you've seen you know, how decisions get made sometimes with no rhyme or reason and, you know, people come and go. And so it can be incredibly ruthless. And I think it takes a couple of years for your heart to come to terms <laughs> with that. <laughs> no, you, you, you've, you've, got to be made of, you've got to be made of stern stuff. I mean, some people have got longevity Indeed. in the broadcast industry. And unfortunately, um, yeah, no, we've all witnessed um, careers uh, flourishing at one point and then suddenly not flourishing anymore. And it is... It's Indeed. a brutal business. It's an absolutely yeah, brutal 100%. business. But what it lasts, it's fun um, and, and, and good fun. Are you still having fun, though? I mean, do you still oh, wake yes. up in the morning with a spring in your step? You've got to say that, don't you? Oh, yes. No, I, 
<laughs> Not at all. I mean, I think, you know, I've been really lucky over the, and, I, and let's speak specifically on radio. I've been really lucky to be part of amazing teams. Um, so when I started on Metro, I was doing breakfast and the team that I was with, we all just clicked. And, you know, in radio, sometimes that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I've literally, I've, I've really been fortunate over my career to work with amazing people, really supportive people who are interested in the show and putting the show first with no egos, who are keen to learn, keen to experiment, um, willing to take chances and just and push the edge always, you know. So I've been really fortunate over my career to have have great support. So I still love it. There's what's not like you say, when you're in it, what's not to love about it, you know, and it's the other side that I think people often don't see is it's given me a really great ability to be present and raise my children um over the last 15 years you know and for that also i'm incredibly grateful yeah not every job um you know again people complain about the hours because there's no civilized slot i think mandy wiener is about the only person in broadcasting i know who has the best of every world because she arrives mm -hmm. at five to midday um and she then just does the one hour show and then she goes home and, and sleeps yeah. all afternoon yeah because um, that's, <laughs> well, that's what that's what the midday report does for you um but um then it, it, it's it is a weird industry they're anti-social hours you're going to bed straight after this so that you could be awake at almost four tomorrow morning uh, to be charming at 6 a.m. I mean, it's a, it's rough. Yeah, you know, breakfast radio is not for sissies. Um, you know, and it, I think more than anything, because people always say you get used to it. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't. Um, I... I struggled with it for a really, really long time. And then you just learn to adapt your day. You learn that, you know, you finish the show at nine and you need a power nap at 10.30, you know, for like an hour just to kind of reboot so that you can get through the rest of the day. And especially when you have children, um, you know, there's homework, mm. there's sports, there's all these other things. So you kind there's of There's homeschooling. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, don't even, don't even mention it, Bruce. <laughs> Talk I was printing about, talk, out schedules today. Oh, jeez. <laughs> talk to me about money. I mean, it, it's not an industry that in itself pays a vast amount of money. Um, unless you get to the very, very peak of breakfast mm. radio and you've got big audiences and the advertisers come. And then yeah, some people do incredibly well. But the vast majority of people in radio are not going to retire rich um, after yeah. any kind of normal career. Yeah, I think DJs invented the term, you know, the multi-skilled slash this slash that because, and everyone sometimes thinks that you, you're doing all these things because you're greedy, but it's, well, no, I need to do all these things to supplement my income. As you say, you know, people think on radio, you're making millions and millions, but you're not. Um, and so that's why you then become a jack of all trades. You become an MC. You, if you are good on television, you do television stuff. If you, you know, all these different things so that at the end of the month, when your debit orders come through, you, you know, they're not going, uh, and then what's happening? Why is there no money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, did you do it? I mean, did you grow up with any kind of privilege? Were you fortunate growing up? Was there money in the house? I can say that, yes, I was privileged um, and not ridiculous amounts of money. But, you know, my father was an entrepreneur. He worked for himself um, and four kids. We went to private school. We went on holidays regularly. You know, we had two cars in the home. You know, and at the time when you're growing up, you don't see that. But hindsight is, is yes, I, I did grow up privileged.
Yeah, and it's kind of for, for kids who are privileged, it's normal. Um, and you mm-hmm. actually need the, the gift of hindsight and to realize that the real world is actually quite scary and quite rough. And if you have had that yeah. kind of upbringing, you were incredibly lucky. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's it's something that, like you say, you don't see it or feel it, and you think, oh, but I, you know, it was it was I didn't get pocket money or I didn't whatever, and then you hear other people's stories and you're like, oh, well, okay, actually, I've, you know, I never went to bed hungry. I never went to bed mm. thinking, why is there no food or not having had something to eat? So, yes, privilege, no doubt. Yeah, talk to me about money and uh, the the discussions around money in the household as you were growing up. I mean, was it a a place where your 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 dad shared the stories of what he was doing and how it worked? Did you get that sort of uh, dinner table education? Not really, much to my you know regrets. My dad, like I say, he was an entrepreneur. My mom was a housewife. Um, they were from that generation. He worked. She stayed home, and we we never discussed money, you know. And my far on my father's side, um, I come from an Asian background. Um, you know, he was Chinese, and and definitely we don't discuss money. That's like vulgar and rude. Um, (laughs) Don't do that. So we never discussed money. But, you know, I I regret it because I think there was some, you know, later on in life as I grew up, you know, then we were able to have those discussions. But I wish he'd instilled in us from a young age because, you know, my dad was old school. He didn't believe in pocket money. It was, these are your chores. You need to do them. Like, and I must pay you for, like, why? Like, just do it, you know? So I had no concept of money and how to work with it. Um, you know, I go to the movies. My dad would say, how much is a movie? Two rand fifty. How much is a drink? Two rand. How much is popcorn? Two rand. He'd give you 10 rand and one change when he was done with it. Um, so I really, but my first is, job, is, you know. Is, is that unreasonable? He says. Yeah. <laughs> it's sounding familiar, Bruce. <laughs> it is. No, no, no. And I, I, no, but it is. There's a case that you know, money is a finite resource. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, if you know, if you're lucky enough to get some pocket money, or you're lucky enough to get a little bit of cash, going to have some fun. There is a cost to that event, but you don't pocket the money afterwards. I mean, if you needed it and, and you used it, that's fine. But yeah, change, give back. Yeah. No, and, and and I do that with my own kids now. You know, I'll, I'll give them money for whatever the thing is, and then when they come back and they're quiet, I'm like. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, you know, just kind of. So I do do the same thing. But I think what I like I said, I learned from the household I grew up in was to have more open conversations. You know, my dad yeah. would never say I don't have money. He'd say, OK, no, we'll sort it out or we'll see, you know, the we'll see expression, you know, which might take two weeks or two months or maybe never, you know, getting the thing that you want. It was we'll see versus him saying, you know what, you know what, my honey, I don't have the cash right or I don't have the money for it now. It's not something you need right now. Um, And I try to do that with my kids so that they understand that, as you say, it's a finite resource. And mom doesn't have these pockets that are just never ending. You know, I I have a budget. This is what I work with. Do you use phrases like money doesn't grow in trees? Do you know uh, how much it takes to earn that? Because that's, I mean, there's a part in your, there's a point in your life where you start sounding like your parent. Whoever that parent oh, totally. was, uh, you start sounding like them. You start being them. It's oh, like totally. you become the mini me to your parent. Yeah, no, and my dad always used to say, you guys think I own a cheese factory, you know. And now I say it to my what kids. What is that? Because <laughs> we ate cheese? so much cheese. Oh, I see. <laughs> But and that, now I say it to my children. So, yeah. 
Yeah, but if you're the big cheese, then, you know, you must provide. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I went there. Dad jokes. It's terrible. Um, mm, terrible. You've been working then since the age 17, 18. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a long time to be working. Have you been diligent about managing your own money since then? I became diligent. I had to learn some really hard lessons the first. I always say the first five years I worked, I think I was broke all the time, literally living hand to mouth, borrowing money from people, you know, because I just, like I said, I didn't grow up with having my own money to manage. And so imagine at 18 getting a salary and I would make sure, okay, the the rent is paid and my contribution to whatever the petrol is paid. But then the rest of it, I would literally, I would kill it. Like I'd box it like in a week after payday. Um, So it was a rough couple of years. And I, you know, in my early 20s, eventually. It was not rough. You had a great time. It was no, fabulous. <laughs> exactly. Let's not let's not fun. pretend it was let's not pretend it was awful. It was brilliant. I mean you can it regret brilliant. it now a bit. But it was But there was no savings. There was there was no savings or anything responsible happening at that point. And and I and I appreciate it because it taught me. It taught me, you know, so many valuable lessons in terms of saying, well, when you run out, what do you expect to do? And eventually, like I said, I got to a point where I was like, I need to not run out of money every month. And uh, probably around 22, somewhere there, I started to change how I looked at money and how I managed it and what I spent my money on. Um, and I think since then, I, I've been pretty all right. So what, in broad brushstrokes, I don't want to know specifically because I think that's rude, mm-hmm. it's crass. Your dad would not approve. Um, so what, what, what broadly do you do? How have you changed your money habits? What, what have you learned that people listening to us tonight might find useful? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I would have bought property sooner, you know, when I was in my 20s and the opportunity came up to buy property. I was, I felt so... Uh, that was such an old people thing to do, you know. Uh, I was like, I don't know where I'm going to be living in two years' time. I don't want to commit myself to property, you know. Um, and in hindsight, I, I should have bought that little flat, you know, in Melville or wherever it was. And, you know, I'd probably be sitting on a nice little chunk of change. So that was one thing. Um, and then also, I think another learning was also just to say no, you know, to people wanting to lend money. Um, cause I, I, because I struggle to talk about money. So when people would ask me about it, I would feel bad about saying no. And I lent out money and it inevitably never came back. So something that I do now is I don't lend money that I can't afford to lose. If I lend yeah. you money, I've written it off. Oh, okay. Can I borrow money? No. Okay, just check. See, see oh, how so, that works. <laughs> you're so good at that. No, you, but you've yeah. developed your strength and your resolve. But we all have little bad habits. Our small and nana skeletons. What are yours? What are yours? I've I've made peace with the fact that that shopping is my when I'm sad I shop. Um, retail therapy is a thing for me. So okay. when I am having a down day, I'll find myself kind of the car will drive itself to the mall. I don't know how that happens. Don't you hate and that? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's the worst. And then I'll find myself kind of wandering around. And, and even if it's like a little scarf or a something, I find I've realized that that is a thing for me is to, is to but shop But when, 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 when it's a little scarf, does it come from... A shop name is hard to pronounce. Yes, it's foreign (laughs) and it's little, but inch for inch, it costs more than your house, inch for inch. No, no, it doesn't. And that's for me a thing also. I'm not uh, uh, 
obsessed with labels. I appreciate quality, but I would never buy a thing just because it has a specific label from a, from a specific store. It has to be pretty to me, whether I, I find it at, at the China Mall down the road or I find it in Hyde Park. If you could do one thing differently in your money, have you experienced your career? And if you could do one thing differently, would it be property, do you think? I think property and then also uh, I would have at the time and my dad had advised me to do it and I was like, yeah, 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 uh, was to get an, an educational kind of trust set up for my kids when, yeah. well, my first, when my first child was born um, and he was a baby and my dad said do it and I was like, yeah, yeah, I've got a thousand other things that I need to do and I never did it and that I regret. I think that that's something I Don't should have done. We all melanie bala mm. thank you so much for sharing bedtime off you go need to be charming in the morning melanie bala thank you very much indeed for joining us this evening on the money show